Oh, let's go. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. This is a this is a rather unique, unique New York, unique New York. This is a rather unique day, Josh, because uh, I'm at home. I'm live from our Goldsby Studios, and you know me. I'm a big wannabe-in-studio guy every chance I can be, and the problem or the reasoning is Apparently, the studios are getting their remodel right now. Can you give us an update on the process and the progress and how it's going? Yes. Everything is off the walls in here. The table has been yanked out. Whoa! So all of the microphones and just any of the equipment is not in that room right now. So it is, I have to say, it was, uh, it's going to be awesome once they get it finished, but it was a little off-putting walking in here to the control room and looking in and not seeing what you've seen for seven years. I'm excited. The The thing that really sucks for me is I don't get to experience it for, let's see, two Thursday, Friday, the next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, it's like nine show days before I get <laughs> by, by the time I get back – uh, it's going to be old news. Steely's already going to have it set up how he wants it. I'm going to have to t- completely redo everything. Ah, that's exciting times. Uh, I do apologize right off the top. Do you hear that massive hum in the background? Is that noticeable? Hold on. Maybe this will. Can, can, can you catch that? Is that is that? <laughs> I, I caught it before that, but okay. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is 872 degrees in my home studio right now, or as uh, many of you have pointed out, my detached garage where an RV used to be parked. So somehow we've turned this into a place where I can do a radio show, and we're just going to have to live at least through the first hour uh, of the show with the AC on. I hope you understand, Josh. I don't want to die from a heat stroke on the show today. I would imagine if we're – Going the first hour with the AC. I don't know why hours two and three we would not have the AC on. What? It's it's going to be getting hotter. Do you know, uh, how was your Tuesday? Wait, hold on. It's Wednesday. How was your Tuesday night? Tuesday was great. Tuesday was great. It was fun getting to hang out with you over there. uh, Oh, yeah. I I almost forgot about media day. Yesterday was such a long day. Uh, So today we're going to spend a lot of time recapping media day. Uh, Josh went down, and we didn't have time before we got out the door to get all of our players in. So you're going to hear from Jay Vali, Billy Bowman, Theo Wies, uh Danny Stutzman, and Eric Gray. Plus, I have a few other players who have been uh, sent to your boy, courtesy of OU. So we'll share some of those as well. But you know, I, I, I hate to continue with the same message, but if you're like me, and you wanted to get an update on, well, how's this guy doing? What's this looking like? What's this? Uh, it was fairly short. It was it was high on energy. It was high on excitement. I think you hit it on the head, Josh. There was a sense of want to from everyone that was involved in, in Media Day yesterday. It wasn't a, gosh, I had to be there. There weren't any curmudgeons. There wasn't any really truly uncomfortable moments. There wasn't any back and forth that were uneasy. It's just everyone everyone was excited about OU football. But I went back through last night, and I listened to Brent's press conference and cut out a few highlights from that that stood out to me. Uh, I went back and I listened 
to Ted Roof and a little bit of Jeff Levy. And really, as far as individuals, here's here's what I why, what I took away, Josh, and I'm and I'm curious to get your take on it too. David Aguebu, who for some reason some of y'all still can't say his name right, Aguebu. This isn't some dude that just came on campus. David Aguebu, Aguebu, Aguebu. It's David Agwe. I say it wrong, and it's like, wait, what? It's Aguebu. Come on, people. This isn't some first-year starter. Let's go. But first of all, just on individuals, it sounds like David Aguebu really has embraced this new approach, right? And based on his frame, you're talking about a dude that, you know, is 6'4", 237, the way that he looks in a uniform, right? The questions this offseason about get him out of that Mike Will linebacker position. He's not an inside backer. Get him back outside so he can be more of an edge rusher. Uh, he committed himself this offseason. And for a guy that I think it's fair to say, even though he set a career high in tackles last season, he didn't register a sack. He only had a tackle and a half for a loss. Um, I think it's fair to say maybe a bit of a disappointment for David Aguebu last season, but he's down 20 pounds, and he's one of the few individuals that Ted Ruth specifically said, yeah, this is this is a guy that has really, I don't want to say shined, but has really stepped up. So when you're thinking about that linebacker position, right, you hear the names like Deshaun White, who's back. Everybody's fired up about Jaron Canick. Danny Stutzman is brought up quite a bit, and understandably so. Big personality, big summer on social media. But as far as individuals, it sounded like they're very happy with David Aguebu. So he had kept his weight up a little bit because he thought there was a chance that he might get moved down as an edge rusher. Is that right? That was my understanding, but I don't know if I don't know if Coach Roof if, if maybe that was something that was brought up. I don't know, Josh. I hadn't heard much of that, but that was kind of my understanding. I don't know if that got confirmation yesterday. Well, and for him to be twenty pounds lighter, we'll see, right? I mean, what that means for him at the linebacker position. You would think Deshaun White, David Aguebu, and. Danny Stutzman, I mean, is that the three that you feel probably the best about going into camp as starters? Does Do you put Kanick in that mix, or do you have him at another position? Do you have him more outside? Uh, no, he, uh, he would be at the linebacker okay. mix, inside, outside. Probably, as far as experience is concerned, yes. As far as excitement and potential, I would put – I'd put Kanick and Colby McKenzie in there as well. I feel like we don't mention Colby McKenzie too much. <clears throat> he seems like a guy that after he got here kind of kind of got lost in the mix a little bit. Not anything from him, but just in general. Uh, you know, another player that got mentioned. There was another player that got mentioned too by Ted Roof in the linebacker position, and that's Shane Witter. You know, I, I go back to a lot of the conversations we had with Brian Odom, who was a guy he consistently brought up, Shane Witter. Uh, Ted, our coach, Roof said, you know, Shane's had a really good spring. So, at, in, in summer leading up to it. So, I felt like as far as information and individuals, 
Coach Roof gave us quite a bit there on the linebacker spot. Not, you know, we, we didn't hear a lot about Deshaun White, though I think to a certain degree people are probably tired of hearing about Deshaun White. It's like, yeah, we know what he is. Like, that's not a knock on Deshaun, but how about Kobe McKenzie? How about Kip Lewis? How about the development of a guy like Jared Kanick? It's almost as if, Josh, the guys that are there – we know. It's like, okay, this is great and all. Unless you're going to wow me and tell me that they've done uh, something crazy they've never done before in the offseason. How's the new guys looking, right? You always want to know about the new guys. Bright and shiny things. Right, Bright right. and shiny things. And yet, Deshaun White, he, there's a very realistic possibility, just given his experience and everything that he's already done at Oklahoma, he could be one of the biggest key holders for OU's 2022 season. Yeah, I agree. The other individuals that were mentioned specifically uh, that it outside of the coordinators and Brent Venables, I thought DeMarco Murray, and you played this yesterday in hour one, right? With DeMarco talking about his running backs. I never did. No. Oh, you didn't. Oh, no. okay. How about, how about we played at nine 30 this morning? We'll play at nine 30 this morning. Okay. Um, because DeMarco to me went about as in-depth on each individual in that room, right? Started talking about Eric Gray, talked about Gavin Sawchuck, uh, who he seems very excited about, Javante Barnes. And listen, I, I asked the question because I feel like it's asked every year, and I kind of have always – I'm not saying made fun of it, but I've always kind of been intrigued about the Oklahoma media as a whole. And, and, and again, they, they cover this dude from probably day one he started playing football – but the infatuation with putting Marcus Major in the mix always. But I'm, a, I'm not going to lie to you, Josh. When he got opportunities last year, and, and for instance, him in that Texas Tech game, whew, I mean, he had – there were Trey Sermon-like vibes, right? A guy who can come in and be a closer. And I know he only played in six games last year, and I only know – and I know he only had 15 carries, but – in those 15 carries, he averaged a career-high five and a half yards. So I asked about Marcus Major because I, I feel like he went from being the guy that you know you incessantly hear about to kind of forgotten. And why? Because a Javante Barnes comes in and a Gavin Sawchuck comes in. They're new and shiny. He's a guy, to me, that I think has, has a role. And DeMarco Murray said, listen, I love all the guys in my room, and you'll hear it coming up at 935, but he called him his favorite player. He's, one, he's my favorite player. I thought that was pretty telling. So, um, and did you get to talk to – you got to talk to Eric Gray, right? I did, yeah, okay. for, for an extended little good bit there. Maybe we make 930 and beyond all running backs. You want to do that? Do, uh, I'm do, geared up. I'm okay. ready for it. We'll do DeMarco, and then we'll follow it up with, with Eric Gray because, I mean, the, one of the highest praises that I, that I heard was – DeMarco Murray saying that Eric Gray had picked up the offense quicker than he had. And I know he's being somewhat facetious, and I'm, I'm sure he's building up his guy. But he's like, listen, we're, we're at this point where he comes in and, and he knows this as well, if not better than me, and I'm asking him questions. High praise. Um, now, and, and again, this is just for me, what I experienced. I, I think Parker could probably go more in-depth on what Joe John, because Joe John touched on a few individuals but didn't get too carried away when I was there at the tight end position. Uh, Todd Bates the same way on that defensive line. And, and a lot of these guys, it became more about recruiting, right? Todd Bates talked a lot. Miguel Chavis did about recruiting too. But uh, the, the Bill Beanbow session to me was fascinating because, you know, it, 
the center position is still, it's a major question. Not because Andrew Rame isn't the projected starter and not because Andrew Rame can't get it done. Andrew Rame only practiced two and a half times during the spring. And there, I, I know that he was a starting center the majority of the season last year. But, guys, I get to work every game day with one of the greatest centers in Oklahoma Sooner football history. And, and Gabe, I don't say he's been critical, but his big concern with Rame is he needs reps. He needs to learn how to be a center. The dude had never played center in his career until basically, what, fall ball last year, the end of spring fall ball last year. So he needs those reps. And Conjol apparently has played really well. Nate Anderson has played well. Uh, Coach mentioned a walk-on I honestly had never heard of before, too, whenever he was talking about uh, – maybe it was – Ergen Bright? No, it wasn't Ergen Bright. Someone asked about Ergen Bright, but – he mentioned a walk-on kid that I hadn't heard of before. I mean, we're going to play it coming up here a little bit later on in the program. But he had he had high praise for McCain Matower and how he's come along. And it looks as if just kind of – Bill, coach didn't go into the numbers that at least when I was there, I feel good about six or seven guys like he did in the spring. But just in talking about hearing individual names throughout the day yesterday – Coach Beanbow has a lot of confidence in his O-line. And then speaking of confidence, Brandon Hall uh, sat in a lot on him. Individuals, he was he was gushing about Key Lawrence. He was gushing about Billy Bowman. And I just, I get the sense that they feel really good about their safety depth, even if, Josh, that's a position where the two guys that essentially played every single game last year in Pat Fields and DeLaren Turner-Yell are both gone. Yell's in the NFL, Pat's out at Stanford. But it just – it seems as if for Brandon Hall, he seemed pretty fired up about what they have at the safety position. And you talk to Billy Bowman, and he seems just brimming with confidence right now. Well, and there's a really good chance Billy Bowman and Key Lawrence are maybe going to be your one and two guys starting right there at the safety position. So let's hope Billy Bowman is confident going into this season because he's got a great opportunity in front of him to potentially be one of the big stars for Oklahoma defensively. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We'll hit the early submissions to the Air Comfort Solutions text line coming up right here on The Ref. It's the Plank Show when we come back. Uh, we'll go more in-depth on OU Media Day. But last night, we lost a legend, a legend who was near and dear to my heart. We'll dive into it next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, it's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Did you not have me in queue during the break? Was I talking to myself? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, MLB trade deadline day. Anything really shy? Juan Soto's a Padre. I don't. I think San Diego, after having lost out the last couple of years, well, I guess really last year was their go-for-it year when they didn't even make the playoffs. Um, but was there any one, any move outside of that that really – caught your eye from trade deadline day yeah Soto. i mean obviously is the big one H- how do you how do you compartmentalize that move by the padres brilliant i don't know i'm not going to sit here and pretend to understand everyone's depth in their minor league organizations now uh 10 year old chris plank 
could have spun you a yarn about the Dodgers. Uh, my, I actually ten year old. What am I saying? Fifteen year old Chris Plank back in the back in the nineties could have told you everything you needed to know about the minor leaguers and the up and comer. There used to be a magazine, Josh, that was like minor leaguers. I would get Baseball America. I think I would get it nonstop, and I knew everything about the Dodgers minor league organization. I still say Juan Bell would have been their starting shortstop, but eh, what do I know? And I just I don't know truly what the Nats got in return, but everyone who knows anything about baseball's minor league system, including who was the dude with the hair on MLB's coverage? You watched that yesterday? <laughs> no. Somebody dude, have a nice set of hair. I gotta find this dude. Um, and and if you guys have a screenshot, sh- shoot it my way. I said that's low, but um, yeah, there's some dude with like. I don't know what was going on with his bangs. It was, I don't even know how to describe it. But he seemed to know everything about these dudes and felt like the Nationals were getting a good return. So, hey, you got three years set now with Soto, Tatis Jr. Who am I leaving out in the Padres' big three? Um, oh, gosh, why did I just blank? But you got Snell, you've got solid pitching. If they can all stay healthy, I'm just – I don't know, Josh. I thought it was a heck of a move for for San Diego, especially whenever you know what you're chasing, right? You're chasing a team that has made all of its moves and was right there to try to make a move for for Juan Soto but came up just short. Oh, did I mention Manny Machado? Manny Machado. (laughs) How can I leave out the MVP candidate? Um, But here's the interesting part of it is it's not a team this year that's in a position that they're going to – I mean, they're, they're right now on the road for a wild card game. But I like the move, getting Soto and Josh Bell. That's sneaky good part of that trade. And how about your boy Hosmer being like, nope, not going to Washington, not going to do, do it. it. <laughs> Won't do it. I'm going to Boston, baby. You know, uh, I-, I thought Syndergaard to Philadelphia. Sneaky good move. Yeah, could, could it wind up being one of the best trade deadline deals that we saw in general. And you look up at the National League, the wild card situation there, You've got the Braves that are seven and a half clear of everybody. The Padres are three and a half clear of the Phillies and the Cardinals. And then, well, that's right. You've got the Phillies right there, kind of sniffing around the wild card situation in the National League. So they uh, could use Syndergaard to be special coming down the stretch here. And though his record's not great, I want to say it's like five and eight right now. His ERA is not that bad. It's three point three that neighborhood. So he's uh, still got a little Thor to him. He does. He does. I thought just real quick because yesterday I filled in for Chris Russo and uh, the the first thing that the judge told me who runs Mad Dog Radio is, I remember, it's a trade deadline. It's a big baseball show. You got to talk a lot of baseball. So, Josh, as someone who honestly doesn't watch a ton of baseball, right? I could sit here and talk Dodgers all day, but the league as a whole – uh, I probably immersed myself more in baseball the first three days of this week than I ever have. So if it's baseball you want, I've become your guy. I talked to Steve Phillips yesterday, for goodness sakes. But DeGrom comes back last night looking okay. You had, I thought the Phillies had a sneaky good day. The Astros did all of their damage before Tuesday, so that kind of got lost in the mix of the Soto deal. But I thought it was a fun trade deadline day. But – Obviously, last night ended with with sadness as Vince Scully passed away. You know, when I was younger, I never got to listen to Vince Scully on radio. He was always the uh, TV guy. He was the NBC guy whenever I was growing up and would would call certain games on TV. And I I think it was NBC. Now, I'm getting old. I forget everything. But 
uh, as I got older, right, and, you know, you had the opportunity to listen to out-of-town broadcast starting probably, what would you say, Josh, about late 90s, early 2000s when the technology got there that, hey, I can click on a leak and I can listen to the Dodgers games. You know, I would, I would listen nonstop to, to Vin Scully. And I had – I want to share this story real quick. So I had always wanted to meet Vin Scully, right, because he was the voice of, of my team. And I came up with this idea midseason last year whenever it became pretty obvious that the Sooner softball team was pretty good, right? Whenever it's like, dang, man, this might be, this might be something pretty special. And I know and I knew that Coach Gasso, whenever she was growing up, the voice of her, the soundtrack of her childhood was Vin Scully. And she's told the story many times about, you know, listening to the games and kind of that developed her love for baseball. So, Josh, I thought – how cool would it be to get Vince Scully to voice a an open, to voice a scene setter? And I so about about April, I started in the process, and I reached out to everyone I knew with with the Dodgers, a handful of people that I knew in the media, and no one really. It, it's it's kind of wild I say this, but for a guy that was so personable, right, and, and seemed so personable. They said, man, whenever he retired, kind of went off the grid a little bit. You know, he'd show up every now and then, but he wanted to, you know, he had lost his wife. And I, I, I had one email address, and it wasn't Vince, but it was like representation for him. And I'd reached out, and I, and I told this story. I'm, I might even have the emails. Like, listen, um, Coach Gasso is a diehard Dodger fan. I don't even think I told Coach this. And I grew up a diehard Dodger fan, and I, I think it would be so cool to have Vin Scully do something. I'm like, I, I don't know how much it would cost. I, I, I'll be willing to pay just about anything, and I knew that I couldn't pay anything on this, Josh. And I sent this email, and I didn't hear back for a really, really long time. Uh, it's it's kind of like my emails to get Big Jay Okerson on the show. It's like you just don't hear back. And so I kind of forgot about it. And literally, like the, the, the week of the World Series, someone got back to me and said, Hey, that was a little bit more professional. Listen, this sounds like something really cool. What a great story. Unfortunately, Vin hasn't been feeling very well. Maybe we can reach out and try something again next year. So, unfortunately, that won't happen. But he was special. I mean, he was just a special dude. And I, I grew up where the radio guys were the icons. Right, the Jack Bucks of the world. I, I, I said Joe Buck a couple weeks ago. The Jack Buck and the Mike Shannons of the world. Harry Carey. I'm a Cub fan and I'm a Bud man. Right. I mean, you you grew up with these guys. If you're in my demographic, being the guys. Uh, Harry Callis, voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. Marty Brenneman, the voice of the Cincinnati Reds. Listen to Toby tell stories about listening to him. It's just these were the guys, and then. Uh, Vin was the king, 94 years old. Man, how cool would that have been, though, Josh, to have Vin Scully voice a scene setter for Sooner Softball? It would have been amazing. Would have been amazing. Might have been a good job security thing for me, too, right? It's like anytime Coach Gasso brings me in her office and tries to fire me, I'd be like, well, you know, 
I did get Vince Scully to voice a scene setter, but you know. Do you remember that time <laughs> that Vince Scully voiced that scene setter? Maybe next year. What a career, man. What what an iconic voice. It was uh, pretty wild last night just seeing the videos and hearing the audio match it up with the video of some of the most famous calls that Vince Scully had. I mean, you think about just the home run history yeah. that he was a part of, not even just the three perfect games that he called or the other no-hitters and the World Series moments, but to have – been on the call for Hank Aaron's uh, iconic yeah. moment and for Barry Bonds record-breaking home runs. I mean, just amazing the the moments in baseball history that Vince Scully was a part of. Elite Elite 67 years as the voice of a of a team. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was baseball games on on NBC. I was right, 1983. Um I love listening to him, man. I loved listening to him. He could tell a story. And everyone had a story, right? There comes Oral Hershiser. Oral loves chess. Big fan of the of the rook. Whenever it's just like, what? Where did they, how do you know this? R.I.P. A, a, a baseball, a sports, a life icon. And oh, by the way, Dodgers went out and rolled last night. So R.I.P. Vin Scully. Um, we're going to get to Marco Murray when we come back. Couple of quick air comfort solutions. Text 405-651-3439. Jack Buck and Vince Scully, the best two there ever were, radio and television. Um, I agree. But but again, you know, there's a hell of a debate to that, right? I mean, Harry Carey wasn't the most technically sound broadcaster in in the latter part of his day uh, of his career, right? But, man, you go back and listen to some of his calls when he was the Cardinals guy and early with the Cubs. Dang, man. It's like it's like listening to those 1972-73 broadcasts with Bob Barry. They're incredible. They're so good. Uh, here's just this show in a nutshell. Are you ready? Tommy writes, With Soto being a Boris client, you have to think that Boris and the Padres agree they will sign Soto to a huge extension that he turned down with the Nationals. I agree. And then from the 580, we don't want baseball, with all due respect. <laughs> I love this show so much. Uh, and then with uh, the topic of the day, OU Media Day, and recapping everything from, from Tuesday. How about this? You were down with the players. I didn't get to be around the players. Uh, I was around the coaches. But from the 405, would you say there was a little tension in the interviews yesterday? I felt an enormous amount of pressure. Has a championship or bust pressure been put on this team this year? What do you think, Josh? Absolutely not. No, I did not get that impression at all. And I don't think that's the buzz nationally, locally or nationally, with this team that there's some sort of championship or bust type pressure. In fact, while I would not quantify or qualify this as the majority by any stretch of the imagination I do think there's a decent sized minority if you will that feels like ah well it's just year one for Brent Venables so no I don't think there's championship or bust pressure for this team if anything I thought everybody was pretty pretty loose pretty relaxed yesterday I did too I think part of that is Brent coach Venables was a little bit more subdued right he was a little bit more low-key, and 
unfortunately, I, I think that that kind of, for some people, is like, oh, what's going on here? I didn't, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I don't tell this story to try to sound cool, but whenever we went over, you can, I, there was a few guys there. I mean, Chavis came over and, like, dabbed us up whenever we got there. I mean, it was just, if that's, if that's pressure, then I, I, don't, I don't think they're showing it. I, I think that there was a calculated effort to not get too carried away in building up individuals. Does that make sense? That's not saying they, they didn't talk about individual guys because as we brought up in our first segment, they did, they have. But I, I felt like that maybe there was a, a little bit more thought with some guys. For some of these guys, I don't know how much media they'd actually done. I, I mean, how much had Chavis done whenever he was at Clemson as, as a coach? How many times has Jay Valai been in a position where he's talking a ton or even a Brandon Hall? So maybe it was a little different on that front. But, I mean, even for the players, I didn't get that sense. I didn't. I felt, I felt like it was a group of guys that were very excited from the assistant side of things to get going, and maybe from the coordinator side and Levy and Roof and obviously the head coach, Brent Venables, that are just ready to see it on the field, right? It's like, hey, this is great. Talking season is here, but by God, let's see it on the field. So when we come back, let's talk about one of those positions where we, uh, we had a little bit more when it comes to, to individual players. Let's talk the running backs. Eric Gray and running backs coach DeMarco Murray coming up next right here on The Plank Show. Plank show yesterday, we did not get to play DeMarco Murray. I think True Sooner reported that maybe he popped in a little bit later on in the day. But I wanted to share what DeMarco had to say. I get in a few questions in the end. I want to thank the uh, – gosh, the media guys. It was so fun last yesterday. I think still, you know, we don't get to see everyone on a regular basis. And I love all those dudes and all the ladies – ladies, excuse me – all the women that work in the media, too. It's, it, it's a really, really cool group of peeps, dudes and dudettes, if you will. So, uh, appreciate all the good questions that were asked around DeMarco Murray, who started talking about Eric Gray. You know, he, he's a total package, and, and our relationship is great. Um, you know, I got to constantly challenge him and find ways to challenge him because he's like having another coach in there. Um, you know, just learning this system, um, it took him about two weeks, and I was still learning it. So, um, I, I know whenever I come in, into those meetings, man, I got to be on point because he knows. I, I can promise you that he knows inside and out. He knows the system. He knows the offense. But that's just the kind of player that he is. That's just the kind of guy that he is. And that's why he's had so much success because he understands the system, not only what his job is, but also what the offensive line's job, what the quarterback's job, and also the other skilled guys as well. How big can Gavin be for you guys going forward long term? Huge, huge, man. We're, we're excited about Gaff. I mean, he, he's done a, a great job, and he's had a really, really good um, offseason program with Schmitty. And like I said, um, when those guys are working out, I know it's, it's full go. I know how, how it is for June and July, but I kind of let those guys be because I trust Schmitty. You know, with, with all of my guys, obviously, you know, he, he's one of the best in the business, if not the best. Um, but Gavin's had a really good um, summer, and we're, we're excited about him. How big is it having Bentavious, someone who knows the offense, what to expect? And what's he, what have you seen early on? I know he came late, but what's it yeah. been like having him in that room? It's been good. You know, Bentavious is a quiet kid, um, great kid. And- Sorry, this froze up on us over here. So, obviously, DeMarco Murray talking about Bentavious Thompson, 
we'll see if we can't get this queued back up for everybody out there. Some thoughts on Eric Gray and the rest of the running backs as well. Got a lot of Eric Gray audio from yesterday. I thought uh, Eric Gray sounds like listening to Coach, well, really all of the coaches, but Coach Lebby and DeMarco Murray kind of sounds like Eric Gray might be the leader in the clubhouse to be Oklahoma's number one running back. So that was one of the big takeaways for me from yesterday was uh, Eric Gray, his emergence perhaps as the number one running back. Bentavious, that's interesting. I mean, how is he going to wind up factoring in for Oklahoma? Sort of a forgotten guy maybe going in for OU. I mean, we, we hear Tawi Walker, his name tossed around a little bit as well. You would imagine that Eric Gray, Marcus Major, those are the two main names, and then there's a lot of excitement, obviously, for the two freshmen in both Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk. But, again, kind of come away with the idea and the impression that Eric Gray is the leader in the clubhouse to to be Oklahoma's number one running back. Let's, let's did take – did you lose me or something? Yeah, maybe there for a moment. What, did we lose DeMarco or something? Yeah, it f- froze midway through Okay, there. well, here, here. No, no, no. I got you. I got you. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. He's the total package, and, and our relationship is great. Um, you know, I got to constantly challenge him and find ways to challenge him because he's like having another coach in there. Um, you know, just learning this system, um, it took him about two weeks, and I was still learning it, so... Um, I, I know whenever I come in, into those meetings, man, I got to be on point because he knows. I, I can promise you that he knows inside and out. He knows the system. He knows the offense. But that's just the kind of player that he is. That's just the kind of guy that he is. And that's why he's had so much success because he understands the system, not only what his job is, but also what the offensive line's job, what the quarterback's job, and also the other skilled guys as well. How big can Gavin be for you guys going forward? Going forward? Gavin saw huge, man. We're, we're excited about Gav. I mean, he, he's done a, a great job, and he's had a really, really good um, offseason program with Schmitty. And like I said, um, when those guys are working out, I know it's, it's full go. I know how, how it is for June and July, but I kind of let those guys be because I trust Schmitty, you know, with, with all of my guys. Obviously, you know, he, he's one of the best in the business, if not the best. Um, but Gavin's had a really good um, summer, and we're, we're excited about him. How big is it having Bentavious, someone who knows the offense, what to expect, and what's he, what have you seen early on? I know he came late, but what's it yeah. been like having him in that room? It's been good. You know, Bentavious is a quiet kid, um, great kid. And, um, you know, when you when you can add a veteran presence in our room, obviously we've got some young guys, but when you can add a guy who's played in the system before he understands the system, um, it's huge. It's huge, and um, it lets you kind of rely on on his playmaking capabilities because, again, a lot of our guys, obviously Javante, Gavin, these guys just got here and they're still learning the system. Um, and then obviously Todd Wee Walker as well is learning the system. But he actually picked it up extremely fast as well. So um, just a- adding Bentavious, um, it's, been a, it's been a great mixture you know, for our guys. I asked some of the other assistants the same question. Do you have a favorite fall camp memory, something that happened either as a player or early on as a coach? Just a favorite, something that makes you smile when you think back at it. Um, like me individually, yeah, when you, I played, um, yeah. that's a good question. Um, I think when it was over, <laughs> I think when it was over, the last day of, of camp, you know. But no, they've always done a great job at obviously working and grinding, and you know that's what training camp is about. You know, it's about you know um, 
you know, putting in that work, man. And, and like I said, this is the foundation. You're laying that foundation. Obviously, you've already laid it, you know, throughout the course of spring, winter workouts, and, and Schmini and whatnot. But, again, we got to come in ready every single day to compete at a high level. And um, But they always used to bring some ice cream trucks out there every now and then. So hopefully we can get that out. Coach Murray, can you talk a little bit about how Javante Barnes has progressed since he stepped on campus in January? Uh, Javante has done an unbelievable job, you know, since he came here in January. I'm very proud of him and where he's at, um, you know, so he, he's a big, fast, you know, strong-looking kid, and, um, you know, he, he's doing everything that we've asked him to do. Um, he's, he's put on some, some great muscle mass, and um, he handles himself well. You know, he's a quiet guy, um, but, you know, he has, he has a chip on his shoulder at all times, but he works extremely well with others, and I'm um, just happy to have him here. Is it a different kind of blocking for these guys that they've had to learn this year? Oh uh, no, no. I think you know, for us, just how we run our system and what Levy has has been able to do, um, you know, we're going to experience a lot more lighter boxes. So, um, you know, you talk about a guy like Eric Gray um, that. It's not going to take much, you know, for him to get to that second level and and, and hopefully, you know, eclipse a lot of big runs for us. So um, the system's been great, man, and we're learning it, you know, every single day. But, again, we got to continue to push our guys, you know, and uh, make sure that mentally, physically, emotionally we're ready to, you know, withstand and, and you know, until a grueling season. I know a lot of guys have asked about certain individuals, but how has Marcus done? How's Marcus Major been? He's been good. He's been good, you know. As I've always said, man, he's he's – He's a, he's a favorite of mine. Um, obviously, I love all my guys, and I treat them all the same. And, um, you know, you want the best for all of them, you know, but he's always a kid that I'm constantly rooting for because he's, he's been here for a while, and he works his tail off, and, you know, he deserves it. And, and I know we can't talk about specific recruits or anything of that nature, but how fun has it been to see the momentum of July for this program and for your room? It's been great. It's been great. Um, you know, as we talk about, we're always trying to add depth and we're always trying to be competitive and, and get the right guys, not necessarily the most talented guys in certain situations. You know, the talent is obviously important, but, you know, character um, and, and, you know, just how they mesh and gel with our team and our players now. So we, we've done a good job, but, you know, we've got to keep going. There's DeMarco Murray. I had it. I got you, Josh. So the computers, are they getting the uh, same treatment that the studio is getting today, apparently? I would say it's a safe bet for us to not okay. have me play audio okay. I've on, got you. on this computer back here. All right, so we'll, we'll recap a little bit of the running backs when we come back. Eric Gray to kick off Hour 2 on a Media Day Recap Edition, trying to play the things maybe you didn't hear yesterday right here on The Plank Show. jumping around in my in my uh, garage right now you can't see it i will say if i could find a, an air conditioner that doesn't sound like a locomotive rolling in the background it's actually kind of pleasant out here josh it's kind of nice the problem is i've got this i want to send you have you have i ever sent you a picture of my air conditioning unit i probably need to put this out uh so you guys can see what i'm dealing with it literally looks like a like a studebaker Hold on here. Let me send this to you. And, and don't make fun of the dirt around it. Literally, there is so much trash in here. It's in, it's ridiculous. Uh, I deal with bugs on a regular basis. If I could find anything that's, like, quiet, the show would be fine. It'd be easy to do from here. But, unfortunately, that's not happening. The The good Lord has other plans for this year program. I am patiently awaiting my text message. Yeah. Look at that thing. And I got some click. I got all kinds of problems around here, Josh. The show is just falling apart around me. Okay, here uh, we go. Look at that thing. 
Look at it. Oh, yeah, baby. Right? It looks like it's something from like the – I'm going to turn it off for a little bit and see what kind of difference it makes. It's like a motel AC unit. Yeah. If, if, you, were, if you were staying in a motel from 1934 <laughs> – Right, which many of us do. So. Right, right, right. Did listening I, audience can definitely. Relate. Oh yeah, I told you about the mot- the 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 motel that I stayed in down in Fort Worth when I got stuck. <laughs> I I went to bed watching Forensic Files just so I could feel like I was at home. Um, whenever I was laying there. All right, so Demarco Murray, someone I I did play a little bit of Demarco yesterday. I don't think I brought you the full thing, but uh, there's there's Demarco, and. Here's what's great to me about DeMarco Murray, Josh, is I feel like there's been a full 180, right, in in kind of the perception. Remember the first year, and I know that history isn't always everyone's favorite subject because we like to get stuck in the now, but, I mean, I'm old enough to remember a signing day when people were freaking out because there wasn't a running back in the class. And the and it was hard because DeMarco Murray's first year when he came in was COVID. And I remember the concerns over the room and the Seth McGowan's not working out. But, man, they have bounced back in a big way, and they are loaded at that position. So when we come back, let's hear from one of the stars of the running back room. Eric Gray joins us next. It's the Plank Show on the Home of Sooner fans.